this morning. You ready? Come on. Because I feel like I've got something on my heart to share with you that's going to help the majority of you. Maybe a few people it doesn't help, but for the most part, I think it's going to help a lot of us. Uh, I'm 49 years old. I know that's shocking to some of you because I, my youthful, uh, the youthful thing that I exude, but I am 49 years old, and I had a first this week. Very, something happened to me this week for the very first time. I sat in a chair beside my wife, and I watched in its entirety Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Now, that's a big deal for me because of my, my, the ADD that I deal with. My wife says I got ADD, ADD, But this is one of those times that she said, baby, come sit right here and just sit here. And there were several times I tried to get up and leave, and she would just pull me right back down. <laughs> just stay right here. Uh, it, it, yeah, it, because it's, a, it, it's 1964. It's a stop motion, you know. So every time they stop, I think I can get up and go now. And it's like this, this whole thing. How many have seen it before? The Burl Ives, you know, the whole deal. So much fun. And I just enjoyed it so much. And I was thankful that Kristen it, uh, compelled me to sit there and, and watch it. But there was one portion of of the, the, the film, it was a television presentation, a television show, I believe, but the one portion of it that really jumped out at me, and it was the, the portion where they visit the island of misfit toys. How many know what I'm talking about? Here's, here's a picture, may jog your memory, the, some, of the, some of the toys on the island of misfit toys. There they are. Yeah. So the cast of, the cast of folks that are included in the island of misfit toys are this. A guy named Charlie in the box. So somebody didn't name him Jack. Just been really easy. Just name him Jack and he's a perfect toy. But he's Charlie in the box. A spotted elephant. A train with square wheels. That doesn't work good. A bird that swims. That would be awesome. A cowboy that rides an ostrich. A doll with no one to love her. A toy boat that cannot float. A toy plane that cannot fly. And my personal favorite, a water pistol that squirts jelly. Come on now. This be amazing. And the story is that Rudolph and his buddies show up on this island of misfit toys that have been made wrong. Something is different about them. And because of that, nobody thinks that any kids will love them. And so they're castaways on this island of misfits. And when you say misfits, it simply means this. They don't fit. They just don't fit. That's not Greek or Hebrew. That's just Ragsdale, all right? Misfit, they just don't fit. Did you know that the Bible is full of misfits? Some of your favorite people in the Bible were misfits. Let me take you a little, let me get a little closer to home. Did you know that this room is full of misfits? Did you know that your aisle, that your row you're sitting on right now is full of misfits? <laughs> Folks that just don't seem to feel like they fit in. And I will tell you right now that every single person in this room feels out of place somewhere and at some time. You may have great talent, incredible personality, strength and wealth. But you will hit a time in your life that you just don't feel like you fit. Or a time in your week. Or a time in your day. 
How many would say there's not a day goes by, there's not a spot that you say, okay, I don't fit right here, right? Every single day we hit those places that we say, I just don't know. Because all of us have this thing in us that we want to be picked. We want to be the ones that that get picked out and say, that's the one I want. You're the one I've chosen. Well, I want to tell you today, God loves misfits. Look at your neighbor and say that to him. Say, God loves misfits. Now look at your second choice, okay? Because they feel like a misfit right now because you did not pick them. Look at them and say, God loves you. Come on, say that loud. Say, God loves you. I want us today, and we may do this for the next several weeks, I want us to look at the cast of the first Christmas. We talked about the cast of the Isle of Misfits, but when you look at the cast of the first Christmas, you're going to find a whole bunch of people that didn't quite fit in. And yet, we find them in the middle of the narrative of the Christmas story. Let's start with the shepherds today. One of the most famous passages of Scripture, when you read it, people automatically feel like Christmas. When I read it, for most of you, you're going to go, oh, okay, now Christmas has begun. Luke 2 and 8, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. How many of you just got some warm feelings when I read that just then? How many of you, it took you all the way back to your little church when you dressed up like a shepherd? How many were awesome and got to be Mary? Raise your hand. How many, oh, how many Marys we got in the house? Any Josephs today? Any Josephs? Joseph, come on. These are the cool people right here. (laughs) Today, when I read that word, there were shepherds, there's this feeling that's associated with it. Because now, when we think of a shepherd, we think of gentleness, we think of guidance, we think of strength, we think of someone that's admirable. But in the context of this story, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, they were not admirable. Matter of fact, shepherds were looked down on. They were misfits is what they were. Shepherds were the poorest people in society. They were the folks that everyone looked down on. We just read it. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. They didn't have a home. They lived outside for the majority of their life. If they could find a cave every once in a while, but for the most of their life, they spent it in fields. They spent it wherever, the she- in all kinds of weather. And because of this, the shepherds were unable to keep the details of the Jewish ceremonial law which was very meticulous. You have to wash your hands and you got certain rules and regulations. You can't be around this and you can't be around that. Well, these guys are doing everything they can just to survive and keep their sheep alive. They're not thinking about all the Jewish laws and regulations that they got to keep up with. So because of this, Orthodox Jews would look down on them. They were outcast to religion. They were outcast to society. They were pushed away. They were forgotten about. They were marginalized. Matter of fact, it was a hand-me-down vocation. So every son, 
When there was the youngest, he was a shepherd. And he prayed, God, please let there be another son so I can hand this duty down to him. So they spent their days and their nights out by themselves. Genesis 46 and 34 refers to shepherds as detestable. Everybody say detestable. Well, that's quite a different than the little feeling we had a moment ago when I was talking about the church Christmas play, right? Being a shepherd was used as punishment. Look, uh, Numbers 1433. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lies in the wilderness. They were detestable. Shepherding was used as a punishment. It's the worst thing you could think about doing. Everybody say, shepherds were misfits. But on this night, Luke 2 and 8, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, watching, keeping watch over their flocks by night, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. So here they are, a bunch of misfits, and an angel appears to them. You ever studied who angels appear to? Special people. People that are chosen, people that are at the list, people that are going, um, uh, Mary, you're going to carry the Messiah in your womb. She gets an angel, right? But shepherds, lowly, outcast, marginalized, forgotten about. When you start going down the list of who God really should appear to, why would he pick shepherds? And not just an angel. Just come back to me. That was my son. His alarm was going off. (laughs) He usually comes to the noon service. That's what that was, right? (laughs) Not Evans. (laughs) You're early. (laughs) I love you, Bubba. Where was I? I don't even know. <laughs> Do you really wake up to that alarm swag? You're like, nah, nah, nah. good Lord, man. It's amazing. So lowly shepherds and an angel appears to them. And I love this. The angel, and they were terrified. How many of you would be terrified if an angel just showed up? Oh, don't lie to me. You would be scared to death. <laughs> Out in the middle of the night and there's an angel just standing there and the glory of the Lord shining everywhere. You notice the first thing the angel says is, don't be afraid. You always find they always say that. And I always say, it's way too late, buddy, all right? Get me another robe because I messed this one up. Come on, you got to help my brother out. <laughs> and not just, not just one angel. It says, and then along with him, a heavenly host appear. Do you know what a heavenly host? When you look up the Greek of that, 
It's, it's, it's this, the army of the skies. The army of the skies show up. You got one angel that's a messenger, and all of a sudden the army's behind him to shepherds. I would say this is a pretty important message, right? And yet God picks misfits to give the initial announcement that he was about to send his son to earth. The very message that you and I hang our entire existence on, the thing that you and I are holding on to with everything that we have, he picked misfits to share that message with. And you sit here today thinking that you're too messed up for God to ever speak to you. But I won't preach on that. We'll just keep on going. How many of you were always the last one to get picked at school for sports? Just go and raise your hand. We have some therapists that will be outside. They want to meet with you. The last ones to get picked. Yeah, that's, that's the shepherds. Think about, think about this. Great story in, in 2 Samuel. The prophet Samuel shows up to Jesse's house and he said, I'm about to anoint a new king. Get all you boys. And so Jesse goes and gets all of his sons, these mighty strong warriors, lines them all up. And Samuel says, all right, man, this got to be right here. This is, man, the Israel is in good hands. These are some good, tall, strapping young warriors. Here we go. And he walked up to this one and God said no. And to the next one and God said no. And no, and no, and no. And finally gets down and there's nobody left. And Samuel's like, I know, God, you told me to come to Jesse's house. Jesse, do you have anybody else? And Jesse goes, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's one. His name is David. What's he doing? Tending sheep. Oh, so the shepherd was forgotten about. Go get him. Bring him in. And God speaks to Samuel and he says, you look on the outside, but I'm looking on something different. David looks like a misfit to you, so much so that he's been forgotten about. But to me, I see something in him that's going to be the greatest king that Israel has ever known. I want to talk to some misfits today. Why would God pick misfits? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to give you some answers today, all right? If you're taking notes, you can write this down. If you're not, you can just amen, all right? Number one, misfits... Easily obey God's word. Why would God pick misfits? Because misfits just easily obey. They're the kind of folks that are like, man, I shouldn't even be here. Look at what the scripture says, Luke 2.15. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they just had this incredible experience and they take their experience and put it right into action. Does that speak to anybody besides me? How many of you have ever had an incredible experience? God just opens something up, shares something with you, and yet you don't act on it. Or if you do, you contemplate it, you think about it, you pray about it some more. And by the end of the week, you're like, was that even God? I'm not even sure if that even was what he was saying. Not these guys. They took this incredible experience and they did something 
with it. Listen to me. It is not enough for you and I just to show up on a Sunday and have a great experience. We worship and we hear the word and we're around our friends and we get all encouraged and enthused and then not go home and do something about it. That's not how God set this whole thing up. Matter of fact, Jesus said this. Jesus said, if you hear the word, but you don't do something about it, it's like a man that built his house up on the beach next to the ocean. How dumb is that? All right? I'm not talking about up here. I'm talking about right down here on it. That's tough. But someone who hears the word and does something with it is like a man who builds his house upon a rock. And when the winds come and the waves crash and the storms come, they're going to stand. Some of you wonder why your house keeps falling in. It could be because you have great revelation, but you don't do what God's calling you to do with that. I came from, I was raised in a background where it was always about the experience. It was all about the revelation and having all these amazing things. But there's got to be some practicality to get her done right after you have that. Amen? Amen. James says it like this in James 1 and 22. He says, don't just listen to God's word. We must, you must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. Act on it. We do everything we can. We have Christmas trees and we have, we have great coffee and we have cookies and kids and it's all this thing. And I pray and I study and our, our team works to make sure everybody's playing in the same key, you know. We have everything. We try to get it all ready. But at some point, that's not enough. You and I have to take what we experience and let it motivate us to go do what God's asking us to do. Luke 2 and 16. So they hurried off and found Mary. Wait a minute, just a minute. Did you notice that? They obeyed. They saw this incredible experience. Then they said, let's go obey what we've just heard. And then what's the next thing it says? And they hurried off. Let me encourage you today as your pastor. And if, if I'm not your pastor, I'm going to be a good life coach for you right now. Whenever you know there's something you're supposed to do, Act on it as fast as you can. Just do it. If you know, okay, this is for me, okay? I'm supposed to do this. Just act on it. Just make it happen. So my wife, my wife Kristen, has, has been, been doing everything she can to try to get me healthier and to get us healthier. And, and so we, Robbie, Robbie has been working with us. And uh, we have a personal trainer who just destroys us on three days a week. And, and so I, I thought I was, I pride myself in that, man. You all know, because I tell you like every Sunday, right? I have a personal trainer I've been working with. Uh, I'm just so proud of myself. And, and uh, so this week... This week we met Robbie and he's like, all right, time to go to the next level. I, mean, I thought this was next level. I'm at next level now, right now. He said, time to go to the next level. We're going to start watching our nutrition and we're going to start putting some more cardio in. Ugh. Everybody say cardio is terrible, right? Just terrible. <laughs> and so uh, my wife says, I told you so. Because Kristen's been after me to, for us to purchase a rower. This, you know, this, these things, the rower thing. And, and so I said, yeah, baby, I'm going to do it. And I just keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And finally, that's when Robbie and Kristen are together. It's like, go get the rower. So I ordered the rower. Rower shows up in a big box, which is awesome because it's in a box. And, and I'm not good at putting stuff together, you know. So 
Just, my goal is we're going to leave it in the box, and in January, January we'll be awesome. Yes. And then my wife has me come sit down in the chair that we sat down in to watch Rudolph. And she says, let's get the rower together, all right? So as a good husband would, I sneak downstairs, put the rower together, and I shove it in the very back of our garage. So we have, a, we have the garage, and then we have a room, and then we have the Holy of Holies, a very special room that you can't get to. And I just shove it back in there. Because I'm thinking, okay, I know we need to do it, but it's, come on, January, right? Right, January? Don't you start all that in January? So I go downstairs yesterday, and my wife's a big OU Sooner, and they're playing Texas. I go downstairs, and what do I hear? She pulled that thing out of that room, put it in front of the TV, and just getting it. So I said, okay, I guess I got to do it too. And so I get on the thing and we do it. And what I learned there is what I'm trying to help you with today, whether it's physically, spiritually, financially, relationally. When you know you're supposed to do something, just do it. Just start. Everybody say, start somewhere. somewhere. Do something. Don't wait till January. Don't don't wait till next week because I can tell you as I'm speaking today, there's going to be something that that you're going to hear and go, oh man, that that was for me. But if you wait and push it and push it and push it, you'll end up pushing that thing until you forget about it or you talk yourself out of it. The Bible says, and the shepherds hurried off. They ran off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had, what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Number one, misfits are easily obedient. They obey easily. Number two, misfits tell other people. Why does God pick misfits? Because they love to tell other people. They cannot wait to share what God has done in their life. Now, if you feel like you deserve God's grace, you may not be so inclined to tell people. But if you're the kind of person that was left out and forgotten about and mistreated and rejected, when an angel shows up to you and God sheds his grace upon you, you're going to do everything you can to tell everybody you can about what God did in your life. So let me give you a good test on if you're entitled or not. When's the last time you shared your story with someone? A good test on if you're complacent or not. A good test on if you're lukewarm. When's the last time you shared your God story with someone? When's the last time you said, I got to tell you something. You think you know me, you don't know me. Let me tell you who I was and where I came from. Now, look, I'm not talking about just inviting people to church because we make that easy for you. We try to have fun and try to make it great. I I love inviting people to our church. We have invite cards that you're probably sitting on right now, invite cards that we make it easy for you, and we encourage you to do that. But don't let that be a cop-out for you. Don't just invite people to church. Share your God story with them. We are made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb And the word of our testimony. Both of them together. They're just as powerful. They have to be connected for that true power to happen. 
I would encourage you to recite your testimony. Practice it. I tell, I, I tell folks, you should have three different types of testimony. You should have one that you could tell at a dinner table. You should have one that you could tell over a coffee. And you should have one you could tell at a drive through You want to hear my story? Let's have dinner together because I'm going into the details of my story. Some of them you may not want to be eating when I tell you, but I'm going to tell you my story. Or maybe it's, it's a little quicker. It's a coffee. But then I believe you need to have one that's just, man, I could share this thing really quick. Find a way to share your story with other people. And here's what I found. If, you share, if they see what God's done in your life, they're going to want to go where you're going. They're going to want to be where you are. Share your story. Here's a good question to ask yourself every few weeks or every few months. Who is closer to God because of me? Is there someone that is living for God more than they were before they met me? Is there someone now? And I'm not t- you don't have to get them into, the, into heaven right away. Not, you don't have to get, a, get them all the way there. Just help them make one step toward Jesus. Just one step closer to Jesus. Make them want to love him more. Make them want to go to church more. Make them, make them want to open their Bible and listen to worship. You see what I'm saying? How does it start? Just by sharing your story. And that's what misfits do. They love to tell how they were outcasts, but God included them. And lastly, misfits make the best worshipers. Luke 2 and 20. And the shepherds return glorifying God and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Say this with me. Misfits make the best worshipers. You know why? Because they feel honored just to be a part of the story. These are folks that know that they're not supposed to be involved in this story. They're They've been forgotten about and beat down and talked down to all of their life. And now the angels are appearing and God is inviting them into this beautiful space where they get to experience and they feel undeserving. And what I found as a pastor, the greatest worshipers are the people that don't feel like they deserve to be there. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his courts with praise. That's not just a passage of scripture. That's an attitude of gratitude. That when the door opens, when you hear that dong, 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 let's go to church, baby. Why are you so excited about worshiping? Because I'm not supposed to be here. I was lost and undone. I was forgotten about. I didn't even know he was. And that's what love is, that while I didn't even know him, he was coming after me. He was loving me. He was shedding his grace upon me. See, misfits are grateful just to be a part of it. I'm grateful just to be in the house, man. I'm grateful to have a roof over my head. And then you invite me to the table. You don't treat me like a servant or a slave. You treat me like a son and a daughter. Man, I'm ready to worship anytime I can. I love what the psalmist said. I was always out front of the worshiping crowd, leading them into the house of God with joy and jubilation. I believe that's what God's looking for. So if it's hard for you, if our, if our band has got to say, come on, lift your voice. Come on, sing along. If it's hard for you during the week to find worship to come out of you, I would encourage you to begin to look back at your heart. It may be that you feel entitled to something. 
Instead of saying, man, I don't belong here. I should not even be anywhere near this place. But because of God's grace, I get to be here with these people. I was tending sheep. And now I'm looking at the lamb. I thought that was better than that. Amen. That was pretty strong. (laughs) How blessed are we that we get to be a part of this and we get to do this. Why? Because God loves misfits. That's why. One last passage of scripture. 1 Corinthians 1 and 26. Paul is speaking to believers and he says, Remember, dear brothers and sisters. Everybody look at me. How many of you know sometimes we need to remember where we came from? Four people, right? How many, how many would say we need to remember where we came from? Listen, remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes. Few of you were powerful. Few of you were wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things that the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. In the kingdom, everything is reversed. If you want to go up, bow down. If you want to lead, serve. If you want to be first, be last. If you want to be powerful in the kingdom of God, just go ahead and be honest that you're a mess. Just be honest and open that you're a misfit and you know it. Because what we do is we all spend our time trying to fit in. Trying to fix ourselves so that others will accept us. And while we're working to fit in, God is over here looking for misfits. Why would God pick misfits? Because he knows that when something incredible happens in their life, that he's going to get all the glory. Because nobody's going to look at you and go, wow, you did that yourself. Amen? They're going to look at you and go, how in the world? And God gets the glory. Abraham is a pagan. He's a heathen. Heathen. More than likely sacrificing to unknown gods. And yet God calls him out and says, you, I'm going to make you the father of my people. Moses can't even finish a sentence. Speech impediment. And now I'm going to make you my voice. I'm going to put you in front of kings and royalty. What about Esther? Little Esther. We talk about Esther, but Esther was tucked away, this little, and God brings her out. Just to, She didn't belong. She was supposed to be massacred and slaughtered along with an entire, and yet God pulls her out, this misfit, and calls her to be a, a, really a savior for God's people. And you. What about you? Don't think you're good enough? I got news for you, you're not. Don't think you'll ever be good enough? I got news for you. You won't. Don't have the right talents. Don't have the right ability. Not tall enough. Wrong color. Wrong, wrong side of town. Wrong gender. Wrong economic status. Sin too much. Haven't sinned enough. I don't know. What is it for you? 
How could I have a testimony? I've never done anything wrong. (laughs) Been talked down to? Been propped up too much? I don't know what it is for you. But I can tell you every single one of those things I listed makes you feel like a misfit. And because of that, you feel like you're disqualified from what God has called you to do. Listen to me today. I wish I could take every one of your faces in my hands and just speak directly to you. There is a U-shaped space in the kingdom of God. He's already carved out a spot just for you. As smelly as you are and as messy as you are, he's already shed his grace on you. Let me pray for you today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for all that you are and and all that you do. Thank you for this day that you have chosen to speak specifically and directly to all of us, but I believe to certain, certain people. My heart was... My heart was shaken this week when I saw the news report that the United States of America life expectancy has declined for two reasons. Drug overdose and suicide. With all of the advancements in modern medicine, our life expectancy as a nation has gone down because of drug overdose and suicide. That all points to people that feel like misfits. Just don't fit in. And while you're doing everything you can to search and look for a way to fit in, God has been searching and looking for you because He already has a place for you. All you got to do is lay it all down and seek Him first and everything you're looking for will come to you. No one looking around. I want to see the hands of those of you right now that feel like a misfit. Would you just raise your hand? Up high. Come on, up high. All right, put your hand down. I, I, keep, I had you keep your eyes closed just for, for privacy, but I wish you could have seen what I saw because you feel like you're the only one and you're not. The whole passel of misfits is sitting around you right now. Why don't you give that over to the Lord today? Instead of running to other things or trying to figure it all out, why don't you give that over to to Jesus? Maybe you feel like you're in between two worlds and you're in between two different groups of people or two careers or I don't know what it is where you feel like you're, you're stretched thin right now. Why don't you just give it over to Him because He is, He's the God of all of those worlds. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you are and all that you do. You're such a good God and a great God. I pray right now for every individual in this room that has been struggling and battling with darkness and despair, even suicide. I pray for them today, Lord, that they would not feel lonely, that they would not feel left out, that they would not feel lost that they would know that you crafted this day just for them. For them today. Let the peace of God that passes all understanding rule their hearts and their minds in Jesus' name. Still with your head bowed, 
your eyes closed, no one looking around. I want to give any of you that want to today an opportunity to make a fresh start with Jesus Christ. We call them fresh starts around here because that's exactly what he gives you when you commit your life to him or you recommit your life to him. If you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord, we want you to do that today. In just a moment, we're all going to pray a prayer together and I'd love for you to be included in that. Or maybe you want to recommit your life to Jesus. You've been doing things on your own, but today you're ready to come back home. If that's you this morning, with a sign of obedience and a sign of of faith, would you just say, I want to make a fresh start today by raising your hand up really high. Come on, up high. Not up really high. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. I love seeing these hands right back there. That's awesome. I prayed for you this week, buddy. By name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Man, all right. Everybody open your eyes. That one got me, okay? Come on, raise your right hand up really high. I want you to pray it out loud with me. Repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, everybody. Lord Jesus, thank you that you make a place for those that feel like they have no place. Thank you that you love misfits and mess-ups. This morning, I give you my life. I give you my heart my mind, my soul. I am yours. Forgive me of my sins. Cover me with your blood. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to live an overcoming, everlasting and abundant life with you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, everybody shout amen. Come on, shout amen. 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 Amen.